So we are going to go to our Encounter with God section. We are doing our 20 million movement Bible study. Basically all around the globe, people are studying the same sort of thing. Normally we just do one section at a time. It's like, you know, every day you have a section you can read. We weren't here yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I reckon we do what we would have done yesterday as well. Just, Ooh. you know, keep you guys up to the loop. Bonus. But we will just see how we go. Um, so we have been in Isaiah, if you guys have been following along. And if you haven't been following along, welcome. We are glad you have joined us today. We're in Isaiah chapter 9. And so just for context, for the start of the week, what did we talk about on Monday, Renee? Good question. Uh, well, we had Sven here. We did. We had Sven Erstring and we were talking about, it was kind of a gloomy text that we read. It was Isaiah chapter one verse, uh, chapter nine, verse one to five. And it talks about just the problems that will come. Uh, what does it say here? It says a time of darkness and despair and um, that people who walk in dark, but then it's sort of like it's a hopeful message. So the people mm. who are in darkness will see the light. Um, those, you know, they will rejoice. The people of Israel rejoice. They will rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing plunder um, for God will ble- break this, this slavery. So it's, it's talking about the end of gloom for the people of God. Absolutely. So before we get into the next, and I just want to read what we would have talked about yesterday because there's just some really, really beautiful verses which kind of follow on from what you're saying, what Mm. we're talking about on Monday. Before we read, do you want to say a prayer for us? Absolutely. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you speak to our hearts and our minds. I pray um, that we will be able to um, speak life and that Mm. you you will um, be in the hearts of the listeners out there. We just thank you so much for all that they... um, that they're going through and they're doing, I pray they'll have a, a closer walk with you and experience you in their daily life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. So where we finished off uh, on Monday, sorry, was verses 1 to 5. So just in the context, Renee was just saying, it, this is about kind of having hope and seeing the light as you're coming out of the dark kind of place. Verse 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I think this is an incredible passage because it's not, I don't know, this is like the hope, right, mm. that we're speaking about. It. So what's going to happen? Hey, well, you know what? Who is this child? Well, goes on to say a government will be on his shoulder. What kind of government? I'm going to say that with the following things, okay, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, um, yeah, government of peace to order, establish it with judgment and justice. This is a good government to have. Mm. Like this is incredible. We look at the world currently in our society and I honestly – don't, don't follow politics. That's the honest comment. But I, generally speaking, I look at it and go, man, the world's gone mad. Mm. All the politics are just crazy. Mm-hmm. But this is speaking about someone whose government, this is a good thing. Yeah. Right? If anything, it contrasts to the government that we read about in the previous chapters. Exactly. The government that Ahaz set up, the government that um, the king of Israel, king of Syria, the king of Assyria, all those kingdoms... Yeah. Did not rule with fairness and judgment, uh, justice. Those those kingdoms 
were not peaceful. Yeah. Those kingdoms turned to other gods and did practices that were evil in the sight of God and mm-hmm. were detrimental for society. Absolutely. And despite all that, God promises to give, give them a government of peace, one that will never end. Um, a very, a very, it almost sounds too good to be true. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I think in light of that contrast, uh, the contrast there, it's, it just makes it a bit more significant. Hey, like, and I think when you know one way of doing life to have the other, it, it, like to have such a, what am I trying to say? A contrast? Yeah, to have such a contrast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Use our words. Use our words. Um, but it makes it significant, mm. like in our understanding of what it could be. Yeah. So, like, in the beginning of chapter 9, right, it talks about God is giving – he's giving a prophecy. He's giving hope. He's saying that these – your people who are going through trials and going through all these problems – will be free Mm. but how will they be free how will what will set them free what is their true hope and it says in verse six and seven the verse that you just read it talks about a a child being born um i think it's clear we should like identify who is who is this child is it another son of uh king ahaz is it the son of isaiah (laughs) yeah and what are your thoughts well, I, <laughs> yeah, on, what a great question for me. Um, I, I suspect this is this is talking about Jesus, yeah, right? Absolutely, Jesus, and we know this because we we see the links in Matthew and in, in, in all the other prophecies. Mm. Um, but essentially, what God is saying that Jesus is the Messiah; He is our true hope. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I absolutely concur with you. And I think we, we do also see other passages in the Bible that talk about um, the kingdom of God. Mm. And it just, yeah, there's lots of tie-ins, isn't there, to other mm. Bible passages. Yeah. Um, so if we look at that context. And and I think the names that are given, sorry, it says he will be, in verse 6 at the end, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting yes. Father, Prince of Peace. Who else could that be? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Hey, um, I wanted to read this little quote it's from a book called selected messages book one it's by ellen white so she's an author we often reference her um yeah some of her writings but it says when christ came to our world satan was on the ground and disputed every inch of advance in his path from the manger to calvary speaking of jesus satan had accused god of requiring self-denial of the angels when he knew nothing of what it meant himself and when he would not make himself and when he would not make himself any self-sacrifice for others. This was the accusation that Satan made against God in heaven. And after the evil one was expelled from heaven, he continually charged the Lord with exacting service, which he would not render himself. Christ came to the world to meet these false uh, accusations and to reveal the Father. And I think this fully reveals the heart of God, right? Mm. Like even this passage we're talking about about what what is in this kingdom well he's going to establish establish it with judgment and justice and we see oh, what's that first it says you know if we can confess our sins he's faithful and just mm. to forgive us it's really interesting that the idea of justice ties in so much with the cross mm. right mm. like it's not what we typically view of justice justice is like oh well they did this so i do that mm. which is kind of like this vengeance or um 
I don't know. It's very interesting to me the idea of justice of God. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that tension that God has in His character between His mercy and His justice. On one hand, God is merciful and He allows His people to make their decisions and to do what they want. But there comes a point in time where where God says enough is enough. And that's what I'm grateful for. That's why I'm glad. I mean, we're experiencing the consequences of our own choice as humans. Yeah. In our world today, what you just said, sometimes you look at the world, at politics, and you're like, well, it's just gone mad. Mm-hmm. Well, all those are a reflection of human, of humanity. All the, the decisions, everything that's happening right now is 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 our decisions. It's it's all us. It's a reflection of us. Mm. And that's God, And God shows his mercy by allowing us to do what we want in that sense. Um, to make our own decisions, but there will come a point where enough is enough and he won't allow his people to suffer anymore. He won't allow us to suffer in this world and he'll come and he'll, he'll swing in and, and he will, what does he say? He, he, is, he will establish his government and its peace will never end. I can't mm. wait for that. And I think we don't even know what that looks like. No, we it's don't. It's so far removed from the way we do. Even, you know, our interview today was with David Haupt and we're looking at conflict resolution. He gave um, four great, um, what do you say, four, four, Gs four Gs for peacemaking. Yeah. Because uh, this is the thing. Even in our daily individual life on mm. a small level, mm. we know conflict. Yeah. We don't naturally know peace. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like yeah. It's like a familiar friend that even if you don't really like that it's there, you just kind of know it, you know. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that just made me think. I'm like, ooh, we don't really know peace. That's because while David was talking, I was thinking, man, like if all like conflict is <laughs> conflict is something we all avoid, but it's something that we definitely we need. But we just don't know. The problem is we don't know how to make peace. That's, yeah. that's the problem. We, yeah, don't know we... How to, we don't know how to communicate in a way that's peaceful or it, just whatever. So yeah. I, I liked how you said we don't know what we don't even know what that looks like. But that's so true. Just on a side note, I, I remember uh, listening to a comedian talk about like he was just talking about life. And then he kind of made a comment. He was like, I wouldn't like I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't what did he say he said he wouldn't want to live forever or whatever he said and and he wouldn't want to go to heaven he was saying that and I was like oh that's that's a an idea that's a wow but what he was saying he was describing he was like if life was eternal and if it was just like what it is now mm. that's what he was basically describing yeah. he was like I don't want to be in heaven where we're constantly fighting if it's with, like this if yeah. it's like this mm. and I was like interesting that we don't really know what peace is We've yeah. never truly experienced it. The only way we have experienced it is spiritually, I guess, with, with when we have peace, the peace that God gives us. That's what the Bible says. Like God says, I, and, and I will give you peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. So fully. Yeah. Huh. And that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing that we can have an experience of peace mm-hmm. like that God gives. And, you know, the Bible does say he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, the God of peace. I'm the prince of peace. I'm the yeah. God of your comfort. Yeah. But on a f- big scale, yeah. Just the way we do life, we don't yeah. know peace. Yeah. I just want to. Can I share? This Please story? go. Yes. Real quick, um, a story in the I'd Bible story, and it talks about a Dr. Robert Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, who supervised the first creation of the first atomic bomb, which appeared before, and she, or he, sorry, he appeared before the U.S. Congregation, uh, Congressional Committee, and they ta- they asked him if there was any defense against the weapon, the atomic weapon. And he said, certainly, this physicist said, and that is, and he looked over the audience and he said softly, 
peace. The greatest defense against the atomic bomb, this man who who created it, this physicist, said peace. And peace has been an elusive dream for the human race. You know, it's been estimated that beginning of recorded history, the world has been entirely at peace only about 8% of the time. And during these years, at least 8,000 treaties have been broken during half the century following the end of the World War One, which was supposed to end the supposed to be the war to end all wars, there were two minutes of peace for every year of the war. Um, it wow! Just, you know, <laughs> this is uh, in 1895. Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, provided a trust to establish a, pe- a prize for individuals who made an outstanding contribution to peace. You know, we know the Nobel Priest Prize. However, we know that even some of the winners of the Nobel Priest Pri- Nobel Nobel Peace Prize have been involved in violent conflict. Just, just to add to your point of saying yes. we don't really know what peace looks like, yes. but God gives us that peace. Man, that point you just made about how for the war, every, for what was it? Two minutes of peace for every one year of war. Mhm. Oh. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, we just don't we just don't get it. <laughs> but we're just going to continue on reading um in our Bible study today. So we're still in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read Isaiah. Where shall we read? Hmm. I've lost where we're up to. So we're going to go from verse 8, I think. Verse and, 8. Hmm. Where should we read to? Uh, to 10, maybe? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, or, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, let's go on a bit. Let's just read a few verses and then we'll just stop and have a have a look at it. All right. So um, Isaiah 9, verse 8. The Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And the people of Israel and Samaria, who spoke with such pride and arrogance, will soon know it. They said, we will replace the broken bricks of our ruins with finished stone and replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedars. But the Lord will bring Rezin's enemies against Israel and stir up all their foes. The Syrians from the east and the Philistines from the west will bear their fangs and devour Israel. But even the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist will be still poised to strike. For after all this punishment, the people will still not repent. They will still not seek the Lord of heaven's armies. Therefore, in a single day, the Lord will destroy both the head and the tail and the noble palm branch and the lowly reed. The Israel, the leaders of Israel are the head and the lying prophets are the tail. For the leaders of the people have misled them and they have led them down a path of destruction. That is why the Lord takes no pleasure in the young men and shows no mercy even to the widows and orphans. For they are all wicked hypocrites and they speak foolishness. But even the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. This wickedness is like a bushfire. It burns not only briars and thorns, but sets the forest ablaze. Its burning sends up clouds of smoke and the land will be blackened by the fury of the Lord of heaven's armies. And the people will be fuel for the fire and no one will even spare his own brother. They will attack their neighbor on the right and still be hungry. They will devour their neighbor on the left and still be not satisfied. In the end, they will eat even their own children. Woof. This is talking about them. They still refuse to turn to God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is a pretty, it's actually a pretty hectic section. Um, I think we are going to read, oh, we're going to have a break. We're going to have a song break in just a second. And we'll read a couple more verses. And then we just want to talk about this passage because it's, you just read this at face value and you're like, oh, that's an angry God. That's an angry God. So I think we need to explore it. 
Yeah. Right? I think it's really important yeah. to look into it. And um... You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, so we're going to keep reading in Isaiah chapter 9. I think you finish at verse 20. Hey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read verse 21. And then I want to read the first two verses of chapter 10. So 9 verse 21 says, Manasseh shall devour Ephraim, and Ephraim Manasseh. Together they shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is still not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now this is chapter 10 verse 1 and 2. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write, excuse me, misfortune, which they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. So if you guys were with us just before our song break, we kind of went through this big section and it sounds like, it sounds like there's some pretty intense stuff going on and it, it kind of has this repeated thought like, nah, God, God's hand is still not turned against you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as I read these verses, though, as kind of a continue on, what are the people guilty of? Hmm. Like they are just treating one another so badly. Hmm. And it's saying, you know, even the leaders, the leaders are causing the people to do wrong. Yeah. And there's always this responsibility that's placed on leaders, particularly, particularly as God's people. It's... This, this blessing was given to... Let's go back. Let's go back to Abraham now. There's this thing. Hey, I'm going to bless you. Why? And then you're going to bless the nations. Mm. This this truth that the Israelites or the Hebrews or whatever had, they're given it as a, hey, yeah, I want you to know me so that you can go and introduce others to me. And what we consistently see, though, is they go in and instead of doing this, they start to make alliances with the people who they're nearby. They start to pick up some of their practices, which, as we've talked about with King Ahaz, you know, that included, like, he's sending up incense to all these other gods. He's he's killing his kids. Like, he's mm. putting them in the fire. Like, they're taking up all these practices. And God's like, you have misunderstood, you know. We've just finished reading this beautiful passage about how, like, God is this God of peace. And Renee and I were discussing... We don't really know a life of peace mm. in our world. It's just not our normal that we operate from. Yeah. And then you have this thing where God's going, you're making laws that are unrighteous. Mm. Like you're making laws that are against the humanity of the people that I love and that it's your responsibility to do right by. You're, you're, you're robbing the widows. Uh, sorry, that you may rob the fatherless and you're making widows your prey. You're taking what is right from the poor. Mm. And James has this beautiful verse that says, um, oh, what does it say? True religion is this. Mm, what does it say? Uh, something, about, <laughs> something, about, know, something about looking after the orphans and the widows yes. and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Yeah, That's not just, hey, what's my religion? This is the rules that we have. This is the beliefs that I hold. This is, how does that play out in your daily life? Yeah, You know, and so... I just find this a really interesting passage that it's not – this isn't an angry God who's just angry because he's angry and violent. Yeah. This is God being like, you – this is injustice that's being done and you're doing it saying that you're my people. Mm-hmm. So now you're doing it in my name. Mm. In Amos, I just think Amos is an incredible book. I love the Minor Prophets, but there's this whole – I think it's chapter 4. There's this whole passage where it's just like, you did not turn back to me. You did not turn back to me. You did not turn back to me. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then there's this seek God and live. Like seek, I want you, what do I want for you? I want you to have the life option. Yeah. And you keep choosing the thing that's going to kill you and others. Mm. 
you know, and it kind of just makes sense to me that there is this very righteous indignation and anger that God has when he's just like, this isn't even just you choosing a bad way for yourself. You're leading others there. Oh, this is true, yeah. You know, that's like, yeah, I'll just walk to the edge of the kid cliff, jump off and kill myself. But, oh, while I'm there, you come with me too. Mm. Mm. That probably sounds a bit <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, yeah. Mm. And so we see a big reality of free will at play and also a God whose heart is consistently like, what do I need to do for my people to be saved? What's going to be the thing most conducive for them choosing life? Man, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, you know, like you said, it sounds like a harsh, it sounds very harsh. Mm. And that's why, that's why when people say, I read a chapter a day on the Bible, I'm like, oh, sometimes you can't finish on that because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. end of that <laughs> chapter nine. If you finish on chapter nine, you go on your day like, oh, I'm scared of God. Yeah. You got to okay. keep reading, keep reading, <laughs> keep reading uh, <laughs> chapter 10. No, but really. um, just, I, I think just a quick thing, just like putting yourself in a perspective of, if you were a poor person who was being rejected of justice, who was being your denied your rights, if you were a widow, if you were an orphan, if you had no one else to stand up for you, if your own leaders were corrupt and you had prophets who were lying, yes. uh, saying they were speaking on behalf of God, yet they were speaking with a spirit of selfishness and greed and pride. If you were just stuck in a society like that, imagine hearing this prophecy coming from God. Mm. Imagine the hope that you feel. Imagine hearing, oh, finally, someone, someone loves us, someone cares. And just flipping it on that that side, because it's easier to stand at one perspective and hear the judgment. Because when we hear these words, if I'm honest, they kind of feel like words to you personally, right? You take them personally. Sometimes we have this mindset where the world revolves around us. We read a text and we're like, oh my goodness, this is to me. And, you know, you know granted, sometimes it is, but, but sometimes if you want to understand the text, like understanding that this was what God was saying in defense of, of the widows, of the of the poor, of the of those who were being taken advantage of. And just switching your perspective really see, helps you see God in a different light. I love that. That's such a good point. As you said, if you if this is you that someone is in speaking in your defense. Yeah. Man, that's not a message of like angry, harsh, just out to destroy. That's yeah. a message of I'm here to do what's right. Yeah. I have seen you. Yeah. I have heard your affliction. You know, because yeah. we, we have that, you know, like and you, yeah. you in your poor and you in your lonely, mm. you matter to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because this is what we often see is, you know, if people have wealth or luxury or, you know, this is a very stereotype generalization, I understand. But how much easier is it to you, is it for you to get out of a sticky situation than if you have nothing and if you have no one? Oof. And this is a God who steps in for those people with the nothing and the no one mm. and goes, no, 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 I got you. Yeah. I've got you. Yeah. Like this is a warrior heart mm. of a God we serve. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Look, guys, I think I hope that you can spend some time in this passage yourself because, you know, and it's there's kind of this sandwich that often happens is you have a, yeah, we've just finished reading about this God God of justice, yes. peace, hope, yep. and then why is this here? Always look for the why, yeah, not just yeah. the condemnation. Read further. We encourage yes. you. Yeah, we do. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is, in fact, a pre-record. I just thought I'd let you know that because we had Sven with us the other day and we had a question of the day, but we didn't fully get time to enter it, so that is what we're going to do now. But it has now come time for... Question of the day. 
Okay, so the question is, what is Matthew 10 verse 23 about? We did answer this question yesterday, but this is a continuation on the answer that Sven will be sharing. Yeah, so the the text here is, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you'll not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. We we looked at the context, and we saw that this was in the context of Jesus sending his disciples out. Mm. In particular, it sounded a little bit kind of racist and nationalistic, uh, because he was saying, only go to the the, the Israelites, go, uh, don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. And when we compared this uh, with the similar instructions that Jesus gave the 72 disciples, we saw that Jesus was going to follow his disciples mm. to, to where they, they were going to go. Now, um, to, to understand what is happening here, we need to see that Jesus had a strategy. He had a strategy first to take the gospel to the Jews, uh, to the Israelites at that time, and then the gospel would go global. And we see that in chapter 24. So, so come with me to um, Matthew chapter 24 in your Bibles. And verse 14, and this is what Jesus says when he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and Christianity going global and the things which would occur. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world Mm. as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So clearly, Jesus is not being racist. He's not being nationalistic. He says the um, testimony to all nations. Mm. So he he believes he he wants his good news to go to 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 everyone. Now, in the context of this chapter, he then comes across um, down further in verse thirty and says, "Then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth, all the nations, will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming." on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so what what he's saying here is that will be the time my second coming will be with the clouds in the heavens. This is the event to look for in a global sense. So if you come back to Matthew chapter 10, what you see here, there's a distinction which you really need to, uh, we need to make clear. Jesus says um, at the end of verse 23, before the Son of Man comes, notice here he doesn't say in the clouds of heaven, he doesn't say um, you will see him in the heavens. Mm. This is a local picture. He's, it's just the first part of his strategy. And with, with uh, Luke chapter 10, we see that he is going to follow. He's going to come soon. And so his disciples can work with an expectancy. They're going to the towns knowing that Jesus is right behind them. He's coming. Mm. And to uh, think uh, with expectancy and with excitement and with joy as well. Now, there's a kind of double entendre here as well. Jesus is kind of, in many ways, he's, he's thinking of the two events. And for us who have a part of the global picture of sharing the gospel, Matthew 24, we can have that same joy. We, we need that same kind of expectancy. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm coming soon. And, and we will continue to share the good news with all the nations but, and Jesus will come soon. We will not finish um, sharing, sharing the gospel. We need to continue on doing it, just like the disciples in Jesus' day needed to work hard at that time because Jesus was following them as, as well. So we need to understand the con- context. Jesus is speaking locally here to his disciples, but later he will say to all of us, we need to share the gospel with all the nations 
and then we'll see Jesus coming in the clouds. Mm. So that is the context. We must never lose the context of this verse and, and in such a way that we start to doubt what Jesus is saying or what he knows as, as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for that, Sven. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.